Hey everybody, welcome back to the Grand McGovern Podcast. Now there are only 12 days left until Christmas, and that means more terrible Christmas music and sappy holiday movies than any person should be made to endure. In an effort to combat this rampant attitude of festive good cheer, for the next 12 days we will be giving you some alternatives to the traditional 12 days of Christmas with some movie choices of our own. Hey, what about leaving the kids here? Here in the room, all by themselves? No, the television. Hmm? You wanna have fun tonight, don't you? Today is day four. And it's gonna here we have a lovely snow falling in Los Angeles. Oh wait, no, it's not snow. It's rain. But hey, we'll take it. What is rain? Is that a That's something I read about. I hear they get it in Seattle. What is this? A science fiction water is falling from the skies! But for us, day four means four rooms. And four rooms, for those of you who may not know it, is probably the first collaboration between Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez. What it essentially is, is a, it's a movie set of vignettes starring Tim Roth and a million other celebrities. You know, Madonna, Antonio Banderas, Quentin Tarantino himself, Bruce Willis is in there. Just a million people. It, it's, yeah, so... Uh... Alex- Alexander uh, Rockwell and Allison Anders are the, uh, yeah, two are the, the other two directors. And yes. then um, is it is it Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino's first team up? Because well, I guess as directors, as directors, as yeah. co-directors. I mean, certainly they've been they were you know part of each other's stuff with you know like QT was in From Dusk Till Dawn and stuff right. like that. But this is the first uh, like co-directorial, right? Exactly the first sort of thing. Like you know they did four rooms, then we move into Sin City. And you know more more recently, Planet Terror and and the Grindhouse stuff. Sure. So that's this is the first time that they kind of did this essentially Grindhouse kind of collaborative entertainment sort of a deal. You know, when you and I worked at Borders, they had the VHS for this in the break room, and every once in a while I would walk in and you know, and somebody would be watching it, and I would catch little, little bits and pieces, but I would never wa- I never watched it in its entirety. And right now, if you have Amazon Prime. You can commercial, commercial, commercial for Amazon Prime because it's there, and uh, no, it's it's fun. Um, it's certainly a little wacky thing. <laughs> it, yeah, um, there's there's a bit of uh, cartoonish charm. Yeah, it's still to... it's still exceptionally R-rated. Yeah, absolutely. It, but uh, it just but uh, that's what makes it easy to stomach be- is is because of how cartoonish it is. Yeah, it is almost like they're doing like a Looney Tunes adaptation. Um, that involves In dead hookers and yeah. kids smoking cigarettes. Like, yeah, it's a very adult Looney Tunes in its level of violence and, uh, in the very least, the way that uh, the actors present their lines. And, well, uh, yeah, we'll get into and that. And the way they walk, even, sometimes. The first one I wanted to talk about, because uh, they all have little uh, little titles, because they, they literally uh, give you these chapters of the night. You know, four rooms... Our main character, Ted, is the bellhop at a fancy hotel, uh, and, you know, he's, he's actually filling in as bellhop, and he's got to go and check on the various, you know, patrons of this hotel, and they all seem to present him with these unbelievably outrageous and wacky problems. You know, the first one he goes to is a coven of witches, the, the next one he goes to is a... <coughs> oh, excuse me. The next one he goes to is like a... a a bickering couple that's having this sort of super weird psychosexual thing going on where he's being held hostage and, and, you know, he's saying, did you fuck my wife? And 
all this nonsense just you know because that's how they get it on and then the one that a uh, uh, one that's a favorite of mine which is Robert Rodriguez's little vignette is called the misbehaviors so yeah um that's and that's my favorite of yeah, all of them it's um just to set that one up it's essentially Antonio Banderas and his wife uh, are going out somewhere to some fancy do because they're wearing a tuxedo and such and they're really getting tired of the kids around and you can tell that's a strain on their relationship so they decide hey you know what we're going to leave the kids in the hotel room and tell the bellboy to keep an eye on them. And we sort of get the idea that Antonio Banderas is some sort of badass. You know, maybe he's a, you know, a Latin gang member of some description, but he's certainly certainly no one to, to trifle with. And then, of course, as you would imagine, these kids get up to all manner of misbehaving. Smoking, drinking, they light the room on fire, they find a dead hooker in the bed. And poor Ted is just trying to keep up with all of this and it's it kind of felt a little you know this is a, a nod to some other future rodriguez work it, it kind of felt like an r-rated spy kids sort of a way if only because there's two kids yeah well see because rodriguez like it's like oh let's give these two kids an adventure but of course it has to do with a heroin needle and you know finding booze so right. it, it was definitely it that was a really it's actually pretty entertaining yeah definitely and man those kids drink some hard liquor because when the the room accidentally quote unquote accidentally sets on fire, just because it's that type of Looney Tunesy kind of oh you know just random stuff is gonna happen, domino effect stuff is gonna happen. Uh, I didn't. I mean, you could see it coming, but at the same time, you think, okay, wasn't that champagne or wasn't that something a little lighter than like I don't think champagne. Ca- yeah, I don't think champagne works like that. You you throw a match into a bottle of champagne, it's gonna just extinguish the match yeah but not in you know looney tunes hotel right um and then of course there's the the last room um uh the one directed by quentin tarantino and actually you made a a an observation from the outset of the introduction of this room right which is that when you uh, could tell as soon as you know you get a cue card comes up you know room number four the penthouse as soon as the characters start talking you could tell that quentin tarantino had written the dialogue oh yeah um, there's a, there's a scene where Ted is, is calling his boss played by Kathy Griffin and she goes into this, this, uh, like expository piece of dialogue about who, who is in the penthouse. It's like, and she just, she just goes into a little bit of Hollywood history and as she's talking, you realize no one alive talks like this except for Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> No one begins to tell you why you need to do something by giving you 15 minutes of exposition. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you why this is the decision you need to make because of history. Yeah, most bosses, you know, they'll just, you want to know why you need to do it? Do it or because you're Because you've got to do it. Yeah. I don't care if, you, if you're, you're off the clock. Not a, not a lesson in the golden age of history. Yeah. But this is actually probably my favorite of them all, only because it's, you know... I mean, as much fun as I enjoy a good Quentin Tarantino yarn, it is very much uh, a modern-day interpretation of an old Hitchcock story from his Hitchcock TV series uh, called, I think it was The Man from Rio, and it starred uh, Peter Lorre and uh, Steve McQueen. They mention that in the show as well because they're recreating something that happened during that episode. It's this insane sort of a thing where they need to get a block of wood, a hatchet, and a Zippo lighter. And basically the bet is I can flick my lighter on 10 times in a row. And if I do, you get to win Quentin Tarantino's car, which is, you know, 
very, very grand car. And if you lose, I'm going to chop your pinky off. And that's sort of just like the background because the whole, the whole vignette is actually almost essentially like three five-minute one one-er shots. It's just like, you know, let's stay on somebody and it's just dialogue after dialogue after dialogue after dialogue. And it's funny that you said Quentin Tarantino's car because <laughs> he, has a, he has a character name and he has a character, but when you're watching it, you can't help but think he's basically playing no, himself. No, it's just Quentin Tarantino. They gave him a fake name and some garbage <laughs> movies that he was it's, in, like the dog catcher. He's supposed to be a famous director named Chester Rush. Yeah. Um, but of course, he's basically playing He's Quentin. He's playing Quentin Tarantino. He's He's bombastic. A little He's more, chatty, 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 a little chatty. more drunk than uh, than I imagine he he usually is, perhaps, because all the characters in this room in the penthouse are drunk and extremely unlikable, at least in my opinion. And that's why this room in particular was so satisfying, because of the climax. I don't know that they're unlikable, that, but they're certainly. It's like well, you're, you're certainly at, at this point. You're so on on the side of Ted. You're like, just leave the poor man alone. I would say that they're unlikable in that. Right off the bat, they, uh, you know, when Quentin Tarantino's character is talking about Cristal, and he's he's very much talking down to Ted. This is, these are not the type of people who would immediately welcome you as, uh, as a part of their own because of their, you know, clear economic differences. Sure. Um, you know, and they of course, they, they know that they have money, which mm-hmm. is one of the big reasons why they. They have all this confidence in, like, we're going to talk this guy into chopping off, you know, a Potentially finger. a finger. And, and they actually basically say that later on. It's like, Ted, if you don't say yes, you know, that's fine. You we can get leave. Maid, I'm going to get a maid. I'll get a, a hobo off the street. I'm actually saying, like, I don't care about you. I'll get another peon. Yeah. You know, another, another I, of the great unwashed. I, I saw them as drunk, entitled, and, and uh, you know. Which is what they were. Oh, yeah. And that's why when, of course... The, the inevitable, uh, the inne- inevitable uh, finger chop happens. It's so satisfying. What's also really great about <laughs> because that scene. you want it to happen. Well, You're just like, what, this guy is a, being a dick. Oh, I yeah. want to see this whole group pay. Because no one paid through the whole night. I want to see them pay. Oh, Finally, yeah. somebody has to pay. And what's great about it is you, it's all this buildup, all this tension. Finally, all the chatting is done. We've gotten down to the business. We close in on the lighter. And we're waiting to see, oh my god, how many... How many will he get through? Will he get through all ten? And immediately, not even the first one, fail. Shoom, bam. No hesitation. Gone. He chops it. He grabs the money. Walks, walks out the out, door. Does a little little trot. It's and, very satisfying. Yeah, and I think it's it's that much more. At least in my in my view, when I was watching it, it was that much more satisfying because they were not likable characters. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. you well, you definitely want to see this stuff happen. It's like finally something's happening to them, and you finally see them all lose their minds after sure. talking down, after being so composed. Now they're just going, ah! Very, yeah. very fun. Um, and it, the thing about it I liked about Four Rooms is that it was almost one of the last ones, although I suppose you can make an argument for Sin City. You don't really get these vignettes anymore, with the exception of now, I guess, Sin City, but those are sl- sort of different. You don't ever get these, let's tell, completely disparate stories in the same movie like you uh, do cat's eye and you know creep show oh i see what you mean i you definitely don't get uh anthology movies directed by different people but you will get uh you know things things like the uh you know love actually or or which are you know 
very much. Yeah, but those are, yeah, I mean, I, I, scattered I guess, scattered I, stories with different. I guess that's different, an argument. I guess yeah, you know, the, you know, the Valentine's. It's just not. Day it's just not those. the ones that we particularly want. <laughs> it's all like let's tell six romances at the same time. I mean, we they're fun. I love actually is one of my favorites still. It's uh, like unironically love it as a holiday holiday film. And yeah, but I, I don't. But Maybe. I think you're right. Uh, you know, within I the just, last couple of years, they're very few and far between. Well, I mean, they were. I guess they were never really particularly common. But I've always been a fan of the anthology way of telling a story, especially in regards to horror, or in this particular way, some sort of just high concept fantasy type deal. But uh, it's certainly a fun one. Yeah. And so for the holidays, it's it's great to have that. Yes. QT for the holidays. All right, guys, thank you for joining us for day four. Be sure to tune in tomorrow when we tackle day three of the Grand MacGuffin podcast, 12 Days of Christmas. 